0: the touch of your lips dear but much more for the touch of your whips dear you can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango all right tonight on the show it is problematic as fuck but we are doing it That movie is Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, chosen for us by the one and only Hillary. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Welcome
1: to Flagstaff.
0: That's right. (laughs) That's right. So um, I knew nothing about this movie. Like, I mean, I literally had never even heard of this movie. So how did you find, like, literally, like, how did you find this? Because I remember you also had a totally different idea of this movie before seeing it or before before we watched it together.
1: So so what was your what was your background with this? So I got this movie where I get all of my very very important news and that is a TikTok video of classic films from the 80s and I don't know the person's handle or whatever, but I watch them. And this popped up in the background and they hyped it up. And I saw the artwork and the cover and just like clip scenes from it. And I was like, how have I never heard about this? And they were talking about that it was like this gay icon movie that you had to see. And I was just like, oh my God, in 1982, I absolutely have to see it. And then that's when I hit you up and was like, what, have you ever seen this? Do you know anything? and then we were like well let's watch it together and then the problems began
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing is that i had no idea i mean the way that this is spun is that it's spun as you know this aunt who thinks that her nephew is um is queer uh is is trying to
1: uh f- fuck him out of his homosexuality? That's what I thought it was. I really thought it was Aunt has her nephew in the house, believes he's a homosexual and is going to seduce him back into straighthood and there, then there's also slaughtering that happens and I was just like yeah okay I'll totally give that a shot. That sounds like right up my alley. And and when we watched it i remember the look on our face where so we had announced that we were going to do this movie on on the you know previous podcast like yay we're going to do this and then we watched it and i remember just sitting on the couch looking over at you and both of us being like how do we do this movie exactly
0: because this film has so much homophobia in it and so many slurs that i i didn't i a i i didn't even feel comfortable doing this movie on the show and i mean i felt even less comfortable watching it but it it really is amazing and we talked to a good portion
1: of our queer audience about this and they really love this movie i remember after it was like all said and done i remember thinking to myself like okay what like what is the spin here you know like there are a whole lot of words that i am just not going to say i'm you know against a whole lot of things in this movie and then i just like really remember realizing that the the two male gay characters are the only normal fucking people in this whole movie every single heterosexual person in this movie is out of their goddamn minds And I just went, you know what? It does kind of make it iconic for that, like,
0: yep, exactly, yeah, (laughs) exactly, exactly. Though it does make it, it does make it iconic because at that at that time period, most most queer characters that were introduced um, were introduced as you know predatory or sick um, or uh, the killer that's that's another that was another thing like you have a lot of movies that came out especially in the early 80s that had a lot of like queer characters that ended up being the killer
1: and it was almost like oh that's why um or flamboyant prey like they were just brought in to be like the joke that you could kill off without like the emotional connection
0: Yes, exactly. So this movie doesn't do that. this movie kind of circumvents that, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. This is a crazy this cast is insane. Oh, my goodness. Um so it's important to point out that this movie was originally released as Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. But in eighty two eighty three it was re-released as Night Warning. And what's interesting about this is that around eighty two or eighty three, AIDS was referred to as the gay plague. True. Yeah. And so, it's almost True. like they like I'm fact checking you. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got my wiki over here. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Exactly. Put it through. Sorry.
0: It's it's almost as though they released it to capitalize off of that fear. Um, because I know that the filmmakers themselves were like, "Oh, why did you release it as Night Warning? That's terrible." Um, but of course, you know, like any filmmaker knows it's, it's like once it gets into production and once you were talking about production companies, we really, you really have no, you know, you you have no legs to stand on as far as uh, creative control goes with that kind of stuff. So
1: I do agree with the directors because part of the reason that I picked the movie is just like, yeah, let's just do it. It looks great. Was it was so much fun to say, yeah. like Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker is a fun sentence to say and you can yell it and all of those things. And then, you know, Aunt Cheryl, you know, I mean, she was butchering people, spoiler alert, but, you know, and then she was baking fucking cookies like Mary Tyler Moore. And she is the thing that nightmares are made of. Like, it was such a great title. Perfect. That's a perfect
0: way of looking at it. All right. So let's do this cast. Um, so we have, first and foremost, as Aunt Cheryl, we have Susan Tyrell, and we have a whole background on her. Uh, but we would know her from Angel. Rockula, Crybaby, Fat City. She did a lot of movies. Um, unfortunately, we lost her in June of 2012. But she is a really, really cool actress, and she plays the absolutely off her rocker, batshit crazy Aunt Cheryl, whose whole plan is basically to her nephew that's really the from from literally from from the get-go like from the get-go of this movie it's like yeah i'm i'm gonna fuck my nephew
1: not because she thinks he is gay like that's what i thought it was going in but she does he has a girlfriend he is on the basketball team he is living every 16 year old let's say that again for the people in the back he is 16 years old and Aunt Cheryl's goal is just to fuck him. Right. It's like when you watch this movie, <laughs> there are
0: shades of taboo in here. Oh, for sure. And and if you know what taboo is, and we don't mean the adjective, um, but I mean if you know yeah. if you know the movie <laughs> series, um, because they made more than one. But if you know the movie series Taboo, this is taboo without the fucking and the consent. Oh, and the consent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like That's, ne- imp-
1: you know, nephew was really, I it, like, there's a naivete, a naivete, what is that word? <laughs> naivete. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So he's a dumb fuck that does not, like... I, it seems like he does not know that Aunt Cheryl is trying to fuck him when she, like, gets into bed and is, like, purring up his back. Mm-hmm. And, like, just not, he's not consenting to bang Aunt Cheryl, but totally also believes this is totally normal behavior for my aunt to wake me up in the morning by purring in my ear and, like, really awkward snuggle. Like, I don't even snuggle with my old man that much. Mm-hmm
0: it's super weird it is it's just super 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 weird now playing the uh hapless very sinewy he's kind of built like a whippet oh (laughs) (laughs) like a dog like a whippet dog Uh,
1: no i knew you weren't talking about the whipped cream can (laughs) although it's not wrong either
0: He's a very like hairless, you know, yeah. skinny, uh, you know, just just like a whippet, you know, yeah. and um, he's not, he doesn't, he's not shredded like a head of lettuce or anything like that, you know. So, it, playing the, <laughs> playing the nephew is uh Jimmy McNichol, and if that name sounds familiar, '80s fans, he's Christy McNichol's brother, uh, and he was in uh for our New World fans, he was in Smoky Bites the Dust and apparently uh cut a record with his sister. I
1: see when I watched it and I did not know who he was till you like looked it up in the movie, he acts like her. Yeah. Like a lot of the same mannerisms, facial expressions and I'm trying to look going like why do I know this kid but I don't know this kid and when you looked it up I was just like oh my yes, totally spitting image of his sister yeah spitting from the hair the face like everything you know it just yeah i guess they couldn't put her in it she was probably one outside of the budget and then yeah exactly way too famous for that yeah then it would have been a lesbian love story yeah well i
0: love her though she is like my she was one of my first like girl crushes because she's in this great 80s musical question mark called um the pirate movie and she's just this like really cool chick in it. And I absolutely love her in that. She's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Uh, but yes, yeah, she did come out as a lesbian later on. And uh, and also bipolar, so yay. Okay, so playing the, uh, just the homophobic, he's billed as Detective Carlson, but is he an actual detective? Because I thought he was like the
1: sheriff. No, he was definitely the detective. Okay. Yeah, no, he introduced himself as detective, and then you see the other people that, you know, were just, like, the patrol cops and like, the badge, like, the uniform. I don't know how the hierarchy in the police station works. That's not my forte. Uh, But I can tell you that there's that first level where you have to be in uniform, and then the next level up, you pass a test, I believe, and then you get, uh, like, a blazer and a suit jacket. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. All right. So playing him is Bo
0: Svensson or as I used to call him Stevenson, which is not right. But Bo Svensson, who uh, a lot of people will know from Walking Tall, Inglorious Bastards, because uh, Quentin Tarantino has a big thing for him, putting him in movies um, and Delta Force. Yeah. So so uh, Bo Svensson uh, plays our Basically, all he wants to do is just like threaten minorities with a gun and and just hurl homophobic slurs. That's what he wants to do. That's all he does in this whole movie. Thank
1: God, please don't do that anymore.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. Um and then wah wah. Exactly. So now we have Jimmy McNichol or Billy's girlfriend, Julie, played by julia duffy not much of a stretch there um a 30 year old playing a teenager and she basically just wants to take pictures of billy and have sex with him um and we would know her from new heart and designing women the shitty season anyway all right and then rounding out our cast we have Bill Paxton as Eddie, also kind of a homophobic asshole, but looks really good in shorts. Uh, (laughs) And we would know Bill Paxton, rest in peace, by the way, uh, from Aliens, Weird Science, The Last Supper, Boxing Helena. By the way, if you want to see more of Bill Paxton, and by that I mean his penis, please check out Boxing Helena. You will not be disappointed. All right. So this movie opens... With a fabulous car crash. Um, Here's what's really interesting about it. I like horror movies that have a really strong opening. Like The Stepfather, House of a Thousand Corpses, and now Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. And the movie opens with uh, a couple who is giving their little baby boy over to a woman. uh, Because they're going on a trip. Yeah, They're going on a road trip. We don't really know where they're going, but they're going on a road trip and it ends with a,
1: did she cut their brakes? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The the brakes are cut and you know, they're swerving. And then I, I do remember just to apologize to the audience. I saw this movie one time with you. Obviously we were both just like kind of shocked. Months ago, by the way. And then I went back to rewatch it again to be like thoroughly prepared to do this movie and our podcast justice and it was taken off all streaming services. No! Yeah, so I've been watching clips off YouTube trying to remember this movie so I one, please excuse me when I get information wrong or two if it comes across that I'm disinterested it is only because I am ill prepared but I have said we were going to do this movie on last podcast so we're here now well hey you know what
0: (laughs) never let it be said that hillary doesn't do some of the heavy lifting for this show because you really tried to i mean you tried to watch it again and you you basically like you decided to go on youtube and watch clips which dude i don't even do that so that's amazing
1: but yeah so the break is cut and then It's what I remember is the dad, it looked like was almost stepping on the gas. Like, okay, brakes are gone. I guess just floor it and we'll (laughs) see what fucking happens. Right. And, you know, instead of just throwing it in park, he decides to go off a cliff and kill him and his wife.
0: Absolutely. In fact, they they run into like a lumber truck and it is one of the most fabulous decapitations where...
1: Oh, Oh, that's right. Total final destination before final destination. And I was like, "That's where they got this from." Because it what it, Erin is much better at this than me. No,
0: so. no, she's. I mean, it's it's a great reference, like for people that you know watch Final Destination. Um, and did you know there's like six of those?
1: I did actually. Sadly, I do have that information. And I like I gotta give credit where credit is due. I I I enjoyed the first Final Destination. I thought it was well done. I thought the kills were original, and it was like. When I was starting to get into like more of like the pop culture horror, not just like take it off the shelves at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And then it just, you know, like all kind of series do, it just seemed like, you know, you can't cheat death, but death just had this really wacky sense of humor, which maybe I would appreciate now.
0: But yeah, there's like literally like seven or six of those movies. So it's crazy. But the uh, so so, yeah the The lumber goes straight through his fucking head, and we get this beautiful, just decapitation shot, a uh, super bloody opening, right? Yeah. So we fast forward fourteen years later. Obviously. And the little boy is now growing up to be a, you know whippet kid. And um, he is living with his aunt. Aunt Cheryl. Aunt Cheryl, yeah, this is an incestuous movie just just right out of the gate basically. And she wakes him up by whispering sweet nothings in his ear and purring. And uh he wants to be a teenager. He wants to fuck his girlfriend and go to the University of Colorado because when I think basketball, I think the University of Colorado. In
1: 1982, they had they had a strong lead. I don't know. Did they? Oh my god, I totally bought that. <laughs> You really bought that? I was like, oh, I did, I did
0: not do that. Infra- I did not do that research. Um, when I was shit.
1: on YouTube, it took me down to the star forward of the 1980s. <laughs>
0: None of this
1: is true. None of
0: this is true, by the way. So um, Don't trust me, he wants to go to university. She wants him to stay home. Um, by the way, she... She has a very strange habit of pickling everything. Uh, like she's, she has like a side hustle as like a general store owner. Um, and, and she doesn't. She just likes to pickle things, which is very important because this will come into play later on in the movie. But she just puts everything in jars and pickles it. Um, meanwhile, at school, Billy is part of the basketball team, which also Bill Paxton is part of as Eddie. And he's a douchebag and he bullies Billy. Whoa. Try to say that two times fast. Um, he bullies. He bullies Billy. And uh, the coach kind of goes to bat for him. And the coach is really important. So let's get his name. It's coach. I think is it coach Sanders? Ah, fucking editing. No, it is coach Tom Landers. That is, yep. Very cool guy. And he pretty much goes to bat for Billy, and uh, you know he's like a like a father
1: figure to him. Yeah, no, he's a good coach. He's not, you know, the stereotypical nineteen eighties coach where you know you just love the star athlete. It seems like he's actually really trying to like coach and encourage his students and help them go to whatever colleges that they want to. And he, yeah, he. I was actually when I saw him, I was like. Oh, I you know because again I don't know what who the killer is, who we're killing, why we're killing, anything going in, and I just remember being like, man, I really hope he's like not the killer because I like you.
0: Yes, and normally, and that's a good point. Normally, in a lot of these '80s movies, the coach is always is is portrayed as like a homophobic asshole, yes. you know, or a good old boy, or you know, but that has been reserved for our uh, detective Detective. Carlson. Um, So what's a, what's an aunt to do uh, when she finds out that her nephew wants to go away and not fuck her. Uh, Well, she stages a rape.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's really the only logical conclusion from there. Like if you are trying to fuck your teenage nephew, for sure and he is not participating the next best step in the list is stage a rape to get your underage nephew to fuck you that's just i mean that's textbook
0: so uh, Aunt Cheryl dresses like uh, what can only be described as Baby Jane. She she dresses like the whole whatever happened to Baby Jane situation. Uh, it's also important to point out that Susan Tyrell is wearing this ridiculous wig through most of the movie until she decides to cut her hair off, which her when she cuts her hair off, that's her actual hair. But she wears a wig throughout the entire movie. And she is trying to seduce the TV repairman, uh, yeah, that was a thing back then. Um, and it turns out the TV repairman is just really not interested in that. Like, yeah, she totally. she is throwing herself. I mean, her boobs are out. And she is just throwing herself at him. And she pushes him and pushes him and pushes him. And then he starts to fight back. And at that exact moment, Billy comes home, sees the whole situation. Aunt Cheryl st- Dabs the tv repairman to death and then basically smears his blood all over her by the way um and billy takes the fall for it so oh and it's also important to point out that the neighbors are coming over for billy's birthday his 17th
1: birthday yes he is now turning 17 it is which because i was like Okay, I kept waiting for the movie to be like, it's his 18th birthday to at least alleviate me from like the uncomfortability of like how old he was. But no, no, it is his 17th birthday. And I was like, sweet. So the neighbors are coming over. So naturally we're going to one, you know, plan a rape situation. And then two, we're going to have a, a murder. And then th- like, three, now the neighbors are here. There is blood everywhere. And, like, the detective is just really, uh you know, yeah, Billy, you did it. You know, like, not... And they're trying to say that, uh you know, he forced himself on Aunt Cheryl and she stabbed him out of self-defense. And, like, th- that was the part that really made me curious was... Not that they didn't believe, like, the repairman and the lady were getting it in, but that Billy killed him for whatever reason, and not that it was more likely that the aunt had killed him out of self-defense. Like, we just made up a ridiculous, like, motive and was just like, yeah, no, that that's that's more practical, actually.
0: Yeah, so we get quite a bit of victim shaming during this scene when the cops show up, and we get um, we get Detective Carlson and uh, homophobic McGillicuddy, uh, basically interviewing them about this, and you know, asking the most like ridiculous questions, like, did he touch your boobie? Best line, w- the- best line in the movie, by the way. Um, so he he uh you know he's interviewing them and he starts to sort of get it in his head that Billy is gay and that this is a this was a lovers quarrel between Billy and the TV repairman which is bananas at the time because he has absolutely no evidence to support this wild theory. Um this is a, this is a character that You know, Detective Carlson is like one of those characters that just believes that, you know, everyone is homosexual and they're coming to get him, basically, that this is this is what's happening. So he's a really terrible human being. What
1: if men start treating me the way I treat women?
0: Exactly. (laughs) Because because there's a fair amount of victim shaming that he does uh, with. Aunt Cheryl and then he's a douchebag to Billy so we already know he's a terrible character then he interviews Julie Billy's girlfriend and asks him uh oh are you guys making it oh yeah just
1: totally like what cause she must have been 16 I believe she was a grade younger I don't even think she was like with him in senior so yeah no we're just gonna go up to a 16 year old girl and ask her you know about her sex life and how he's given it to you and what like and mega credit to Julie, because Julie actually, like,
0: says, you know, like, that's none of your fucking
1: business. Yeah, no, for 16 and, like, really being able to, like, hold her own, she was raised real well. You know, she was not intimidated by the fact that you're a detective, that we're looking into a murder. You know, it was just really like, bro, your lane is, like, over there. You, wild. That's not what she's
0: yeah no but seriously that that she's a she's a pretty cool character because she seems to very be very in touch with her sexuality and and also you know she likes what she likes she wants what she wants you know and she's very into billy and she just wants to take pictures of him and fuck him you know like anyone does in high school so did um, we all fuck a whip
1: it in high did, school?
0: did we fuck a whip it <laughs> A whippet character male in high school. Uh, so, meanwhile, Aunt Cheryl takes things to another level when she decides to drug Billy's milk um, so that he ends up tanking a big basketball game where there's going to be a scout from University of Colorado. Uh, and uh, Billy's not exactly the best basketball player anyway. Like, if you actually watch them play basketball, it's not... it's. It's not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar type situation. Um, so he tanks that, and uh, meanwhile we see that Aunt Cheryl has a secret room in the house, kind of like a basement.
1: In the basement, yeah, like a crawl space, if you will.
0: Yeah, like a like a crawl space that is that is boarded up, and she has to uh, beat with a crowbar to get into. And she goes in there, and she's talking to basically a photo, a photo, a photo of, some guy. Of, of some guy, and you know. So at this point, we just know like Aunt Cheryl is an incestuous, uh, terrible, also homophobic because she then brings up that homosexuals are very sick people, um, not actual like not people that want to fuck their nephews yeah, those people are just fine yeah right you know. but but you know that's the, how the good lord likes it but god forbid the homosexual should you know do anything so um so meanwhile uh she decides oh she finds out that uh she walks in on billy and julie having sex
1: so awkwardly like finally you know we're doing the heterosexual sexual experience and i can honestly say if that's really what it looks like i definitely would switch the teams it was pretty
0: it's pretty terrible um i mean it, it just it just it's super awkward it is super awkward and strange uh and billy looks like he'd rather be doing anything else, anything else? and Julie looks like, you know, she's, she's like, oh, well, maybe this is just how it is. is. You know, like we all tell ourselves in high school. Um, (laughs) I guess this is how it's supposed to be. Um, Why do they
1: all do this?
0: (laughs) I don't understand. So uh, awkward sex scene anyway. So she, of course, she walks in on this and now she's taken, she's, she's, she's gone to Defcon 4. Uh, She drugs Billy's milk. She hits Julia on the head with a meat tenderizer and uh, decides to keep Billy up in a room that is only described as a nightmare nursery.
1: Yeah, it is. You would think it's like, hey, I'm going to give you a five-year-old and you never have to interact with it. But he, this is the room for that child. And we're just going to do severe psychological damage to it. And, you know, but, but the bed is here and it's got, you know, your train sheets or whatever. And there's clowns because there's always fucking clowns. And, you know, Hot Wheels and like the, the cool toys of 1982 that a five-year-old would like to play with just like surround every nook and cranny of this room it's for me that was terrifying that room was terrifying
0: absolutely I think that's the scariest moment in the whole movie is when he wakes up and he's basically in like child's pajamas with surrounded by child's toys
1: like I feel like detectives in SVU have seen that room before.
0: Ugh, shudder. Oh, my God. Okay. So,
1: no, that's good. That was good.
0: (laughs) Nope. So, uh, so, So, it's crazy because at this point, Aunt Cheryl's just gone off the rails. Like, the wig's off. She's hacked all her hair off. She's running around. She, you know, Julia wakes up in the, in the basement and next to basically a headless corpse, um, or headless skeleton, and then finds a pickled head in a jar.
1: Matches the photograph.
0: Exactly. Because as it turns out, Aunt Cheryl is not Aunt Cheryl.
1: Aunt Cheryl is actually mom. Yeah, no, let's just, we, we need to really appreciate that again for another second. Aunt Cheryl, who's been trying to fuck her underage nephew, is not the aunt. She actually birthed the whippet boy and is trying to fuck her son. There it is. This entire movie. Yeah, it's like, if it
0: can't get any more disturbing. I mean, it's kind of funny because, yeah, the the heterosexual characters or the people that identify as heterosexual in this movie are batshit crazy, disgusting, horrible people. Now, it's also important because we fucking forgot to talk about this, but that Coach Tom Landers was the lover of the man who was repairing the TV and got stabbed to death when he was propositioned by Aunt Cheryl, so he couldn't quote have conceivably raped Aunt Cheryl because he was in a relationship, a long-term relationship where they had rings that were engraved um, with Coach Landers. So, uh, at one point, Billy tries to call nine one one and then falls down the stairs.
1: I I mean it. They were they were slippery stairs
0: comically um, and then uh, at this point Aunt Cheryl actually finds him trying to make a phone call and tries and tries to strangle him from behind
1: yeah keep in mind uh, Aunt Cheryl now we can lovingly refer to her as you know mom is you know what a hundred and three pounds you know running around just frail as can be and although Billy is a whippet I which is the best joke in this whole fucking episode i wish i had come up with it uh he is a 17 year old boy athlete so it's just i mean just like you gotta sometimes you just gotta pick your fights accordingly and you know he's not gonna fuck you if he's unconscious mom yeah exactly so She's
0: gone off the rails. She's killed the neighbor with a machete, by the way, because the female neighbor comes over to try to investigate what's going on because she's a little bit nosy. Margie is a little bit nosy. And um, and uh, Mama Cheryl uh, basically just hacks her to death with a machete. Meanwhile, Julia has actually escaped from the basement and gone outside, of which there is a huge thunderstorm. And Mama Cheryl beats her head in with a rock
1: and she survives yeah i did like this is where the movie kind of went all right so we have all of these like really upsetting uncomfortable scenes and topics and like the language and like just all of it but right there was really when i went okay, I've had just about enough of this. Like... She, End it now. Right. Like, she can escape the basement. We can think that she's dead. The meat tenderizer to the head. Okay, maybe it just knocked her out. She's got to get away. All of those things. You know, mom is busy killing the other people and just absolutely losing her mind. Like, right, the... the We survived the rock attack to, like, the top of the skull. And I just went... No. Nope. Nope. We need to edit that whole thing. That
0: whole thing needed to be seriously edited out. But anyway, Ju- Julie. Uh, she survives, right? And um, and basically, she comes into the house, and Carlson shows up. He is going to arrest Billy because uh, at some point, uh, Mama Cheryl got impaled on a like fire poker.
1: Yeah, I didn't. He didn't. He do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so
0: so uh Billy actually does fight back and impales her on a fi- on a fire poker.
1: Yeah, good yay whip it boy. Right. So
0: he, so she's dead. <coughs> <laughs> <coughs> at some point he decides instead of calling 911, he's actually going to co- call Coach Landers because he trusts him. Yeah. And Coach Landers shows up and is pretty shocked at all of the bloodshed. So when the cop shows up, when Detective Carlson shows up, you know, it just basically looks like, it's, yeah, it's his it's it's a gay love triangle. And it's, you know, the only logical explanation
1: here is that it is a gay love triangle.
0: Exactly. So this uh, so Billy shoots Carlson. Uh, but beforehand, Julia's is actually telling him, like, no, 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 you don't understand. It was Cheryl. It was Cheryl the whole time. And, you know, Carlson's like, fuck you. You know, so Billy shoots Carlson. Cheryl's impaled on a poker, and then we get this like fast times at Ridgemount High synopsis where they're like, you know, post-movie, this is what happened, yeah. you know? Billy was acquitted of all charges. Him and Julia decided to go to University of Colorado together. And uh, and and that was it. You know, that's like the and end Coach of the movie.
1: Sanders is uh, still teaching, and you know, looking still heartbroken from his lost lost love, Larry, the TV repairman.
0: So, I mean, this movie has a lot of um. There's a lot of themes with this film that, you know, like the milk is supposed to be representative of like mother's milk, which of course then makes it even more horrifying in my opinion um there's themes of you know of the mother's love or the obsession the oedipal complex uh but oedipal complex is mostly where you want to fuck your mother and he doesn't want to fuck his mother
1: right i was just like the oedipus i didn't think that the oedipus complex would you know work here unless it's like there's a backwards oedipus complex that maybe i don't know about i didn't realize it was mom trying to fuck son i feel like that's a different complex i feel or it needs a different name i don't
0: know i think it probably does need a different name um one of the greatest lines in this movie is college is for rich kids and people with brains you wouldn't fit in all right so susan tyrell did not watch this movie until 2008 believing it to be terrible she had never actually seen it when she finally watched it in 2008 she had a newfound respect for it and really loved it
1: That's, I mean, Susan Terrell in this movie, okay, so there's the one scene, you know, there's the one underlining line that, you know, the two men that are in the committed homosexual relationship who wear each other's rings and I believe lived in different homes i think so yeah so because they understood the times but they knew that they were together and were just i repair tvs you coach basketball and we love each other and we have this very amazing beautiful life which is what my brain tells me that they are just together and then on top of that there was you know susan terrell carries this movie on her like Her acting insane made me so uncomfortable because I believed her. Absolutely. I, you know, and
0: we've seen her, like I said, if you've seen Crybaby, you've seen Ramona Ricketts, you know, like you've seen that character. If you've seen Angel, you've seen Solly, the lesbian with the heart of gold. Um, You know, there's all of these different characters that she's played and But apparently in real life, you know, besides being, you know, smoky voiced and all that, she was a very genuinely kind, loving person with a filthy mouth, which I love, of course. Um, She moved to New York City to pursue a career on Broadway pretty early on in her life. Um, She got a part in a John Huston movie called Fat City. And she won a Best Supporting Actress uh, nomination uh, for that. And um, at that point, she's decided she was going to hang out with Andy Warhol
1: and be part of that whole crew. You can, she, you can just look at her and know that that's where she fits in.
0: Totally. Yeah, I mean, that's she's even- She's definitely up there. Um, she started dating trans performer Candy Darling, and they lived together at one point. They broke up. In the mid-70s, she actually dated and or lived with Hervé Villachez. As in the little person from Fantasy Island.
1: Oh, my God. Yes.
0: Yes. So, and then at one point, she actually got a tubal uh, saying that she did not want any actor children to come out of her vagina.
1: I do not blame her. I don't want any children to come out of my vagina.
0: Absolutely. Amen, sister. Uh, At one point, she had a one-woman show called My Rotten Life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is super fantastic. She developed a form of blood cancer called thrombocytosis and had both her legs amputated by the time she was near death. Um, She moved to be closer to her, um, her niece and she passed away on June 16th of 2012. So,
1: I know. She had a great life though. This isn't like one of those deep dives where, you know you break my heart of just like yeah this is right this is this is not a
0: simon scudamore uh biography right poor guy
1: yeah no so while that is sad she had an amazing life and truly if her acting was anything other than what it was in this movie i i it would have become unwatchable for me if it was just so like serious and i'm really trying to like play this role like it's something other than it is between the homophobia and you know whip it boy who god bless you but you shouldn't be acting
0: yeah jimmy jimmy mcnichol has as much personality in this film
1: as like a piece of wood yeah white paint just you know and it was just Susan Terrell absolutely made this an enjoyable film while being so full of every unenjoyable thing in the world. Homophobia, incest, you know, murder, like, I mean, just the slew of all the things that I don't want to watch in a movie. And I was willing to watch this again. Yeah. In fact, uh, it's interesting to point
0: out that a lot of people were actually up for the role of Julie before Julia Duffy got it. Like um, Daryl Hannah and Ali Sheedy were actually up for that role. And I'd love to see Ali Sheedy as a final girl. You know, I mean, obviously that that ship has sailed at this point, but um, I, I think it's interesting. And also Bill Paxton was originally supposed to be up for the part of Billy. But he wasn't famous enough, and Jimmy McNichol because he was basically quote a sort of teen heartthrob at the time. um I mean, at least the eighties
1: were wild, man. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking. The like, 80s were wild. I, I mean,
0: I think I would <laughs> rather have Jimmy McNichol than Leif Garrett. So you know, score, you guys. um Oh, also the director of this movie. Is um, William Asher. And if William Asher does not sound familiar. His work will. He was the creator and the director of all of the episodes of Bewitched. I Love Lucy. Um, he had this huge crazy career. As well as all of the Frankie and Annette Beach movies. And apparently there was, an, a, there was a director attached to this movie. But production was like we don't like the pace in which he is going so we're going to fire him and we're going to bring in this guy from retirement because he was well well past that point to direct this movie and I think the reason that they did that was because this person was a as I call it an actor's director you know and I think that he got a lot of those amazing Susan Tyrell performances and a lot of There's a lot of heart to this movie that I think in other hands could have been very sleazy.
1: Oh, for sure. No, that makes total sense that it was, you know, directed by like a sitcom because a whole lot of those shots were, you know, like the wide angle. You get the full living room and like, you know, the house wall like worn down, just like it looked like it was loved. You know, like I work hard in my house. I might be a psychotic murderer trying to fuck my son. But, you know, I pickle things and I made this afghan on the couch. <laughs> Very. Like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's a lot going on there. Um, all right. And where can we find
1: us? Where can we find Hillary? You can find me on Facebook because I comment all the time. And I did finally create an Insta, like the cool kids say, uh, really just for this podcast. And that's and you know in my house watching these movies. That's where you find me. Exactly. So,
0: um, and then of course you can find Manic Movie Monday on Manic Movie Monday podcast on Instagram as well as on Facebook. All right, stay manic, my lovelies.